welcome to the Friday, December 20th, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. It's our annual Ugly Sweater On Iowa Politics podcast. So snuggle into your favorite ugly sweater, pour yourself a cup of hot cocoa, and settle back for some of the best political discussion you'll hear in the next uh, 15 minutes. If only you could see us. (laughs) This week, impeachment and the state of the race. I think that's been the topic for about the past month, hasn't it? Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Uh, good morning, James, and also I want to add that I didn't know you were going to make that ugly sweater joke, and, and I'm working from home and wearing a Packers sweater, so I... Same thing. That. Oh, yeah. Same <laughs> thing. Yeah, wow, that's... You win. That's very appropriate. <laughs> and Gazette columnist Todd Dorman, good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up this week, a split screen... The Democratic-controlled House giveth and it taketh. The Democrats gave long-sought approval to President Donald Trump's North American Trade Pact, known as USMCA. That was a day before waging hours of rhetorical warfare, before voting mostly along party lines to impeach the president. Meanwhile, Trump was having a raucous rally in Michigan where he said, I don't feel like I'm being impeached. I'm sure he'll feel it later. (laughs) Todd, uh, at times this all felt preordained. We've known for some time the president was going to be impeached. Democrats signaled a week or so ago that they were going to approve USMCA. Um, Was this all political theater to detract us from the fact the climate is still heating up? We're still at war in Afghanistan and a trade war in China. Drug prices are high, and we haven't finished our Christmas shopping. Well, speak for yourself. I'm I'm through shopping. (laughs) Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, any any anything like this is going to have an aspect of theater. I mean, this is impeachment is a is a big deal, and it's it's uh, you know wh- whether or not it was preordained and whether or not it's moving anywhere after this. It's you know one of those moments in history. So, uh, and I think the Democrats wanted to do it for for good reasons. They spoke passionately on the floor about the Constitution and and the and abuse of power and uh, all sorts of issues that they believe the president has aired in, in, in you know, in my methods of various intensity. <laughs> he's, he's, he's done a lot. So it's, you know, I, I think the debate could have gone on longer. They could have probably added some more articles, but I think they stuck to two. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, and I think this, this trade agreement, you know, I think both sides wanted to get something done. Republicans obviously wanted to give the president a victory, and and uh, Democrats, especially in, in places like Iowa, wanted to, you know, get trade back on track because the trade war has hurt their constituents an awful lot. And the, but they wanted some concessions and and got them on labor and other issues. So uh, both sides could kind of claim victory, although the Republicans were critical of the Democrats for holding up the train. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's theater, but I think there's some some obviously some very substantive issues behind this stuff. It strikes me that this is another one a case of Trump getting what he wants in terms of optics, um, sort of, you know, uh, I guess his television background, you know, doesn't really matter what's in the USMCA on labor and environment and those sorts of things, as long as he gets the optics of a win, uh, of a headline that says, USA, you know, Trump's trade agreement approved. Yeah, um, yeah well, 
you, you kind of, you know, you, you smash the crystal vase and then you pick up all the pieces and glue it together again in a slightly different way and, and hold it up and proclaim victory. Yes, yeah, I got a new vase. Yeah, that's sort of the, that's his kind of the chaos theory is that you cause chaos and if it, if it kind of gets straightened out in the end, you can claim that you have straightened out chaos. But, uh, I mean, it's, I don't, you know, it's kind of a risky game and, and, you know, and that's part of the reason he's in the situation he's in with, with regard to impeachment is that, you know, he, there, there was the Mueller report and he was exonerated of, of collusion as the word kept popping up. And then he just went ahead and tried to collude with, collude. with yeah. the Ukraine because that's what he does. That's what he does, yeah. Amy, um, as Todd mentioned, Democrats in talking about impeachment sort of, you know, referred to this constitutional responsibility to impeach the president for, for his sins and transgressions. Um, but it seems like they wanted to talk about anything but impeachment. Um, did you get as many news, re- news releases about impeachment uh, from our congressional delegation as you did about USMCA lowering drug prices and biodiesel tax credits? Why weren't they talking about right. this historic yeah. vote? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely um, talking more about, you know, these congressional pay no attention to the vote behind the curtain bills, you know. Um, obviously, we're uh, in a swing district here in the first, and, and obviously we're in a swing state right now. You know, even the, the Senate races are still lean Republican at this uh, point. But um, however, as you and Todd mentioned, there have been quite a bit of big votes lately. So it's not unfair to promote these, which honestly have way with voters probably since polls are showing that people are pretty set on whether they're in favor of or against impeachment so i think ultimately um these votes on trade and and biodiesel credits um are probably going to be much less divisive and and they're probably going to have to weigh with a lot more voters here and so yeah obviously they're going to be promoting those over impeachment which is not likely to move the needle whatsoever Mm -hmm. and it it was interesting to me that the, the Iowa congressional delegation, for the most part, was pretty qu- silent on impeachment. None of them spoke on the floor except Steve King, um, who spoke in defense of the president. And on Twitter. And, well, yes, on Twitter. <laughs> and and uh, I guess uh, speaking on the floor was uh, probably to make up for the fact that he wasn't able to speak during the Judiciary Committee hearings <laughs> since his uh, party kicked him off the, the committee. Uh, Aaron... Uh, the USMCA to hear Iowa elected officials and commodity organization leaders talk is a big deal. Um, is it a big enough deal that Democrats can win back the rural areas that were so important to Donald Trump in 2016? Or, or, or did, does this assure Trump's reelection? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know that it's enough to move the needle in a, in a, in a huge way. In fact, if anything, I could see the argument that it just had to be done for them to have a chance in rural areas versus if it, if it hadn't gotten done and Democrats were the ones who were holding it up, that, that would have hurt them in rural areas. If Republicans had been able to go out on the campaign trail and say, we wanted to get USMC done, but Democrats held it up, that definitely would have hurt them. Um, now that they came along, I think maybe that just um, more generally kind of takes the issue off the table because both sides will claim a victory on it. Both sides will say, hey, we supported it. I voted for it. Um, uh, so it goes back to other um, uh, rural issues. Um, and, and this one maybe becomes a tie on the campaign trail. 
smart politics uh, out of the University of Minnesota Humphrey School of Politics this morning had an analysis of uh, Midwest states' voting patterns and and bottom line, I guess, was that if the Democratic candidate in in 2020 can pick up one more Midwestern state, uh, Clinton won Illinois and Minnesota, and if a Democratic candidate can pick up one more state, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, for example, um, they can probably win the the election. Um, So it's going to be interesting uh, if the battle comes to the Midwest, you know, if it's being fought in the Midwest, I'm sure USMCA will be part of part of uh, that battle um, so we probably haven't heard the last of USMCA because I mean it's so much fun to talk about oh yeah uh, yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> and we love acronyms umska <laughs> uskmung <laughs> I don't know USMCA I guess I'll stick with that Todd uh, looking ahead uh, it seems highly unlikely that the GOP controlled Senate will vote to remove the president I, I mean I think that's preordained uh, so in, in the end in, in November November 2020 which message is going to win the day corrupt impeached defeated or persecuted impeached triumphed <laughs> yeah that's a, I mean, that's the that's the big question how how much of an impact this is going to have on the general election race. I think, you know, part of it depends on who Democrats nominate. Uh, you know, if, if, if they nominate someone who's directly involved in the process, then it, it could possibly still be an issue if Republicans are, want to continue to make it about this, uh, you know, Democratic obstruction. They're obsessed with politics and mm-hmm. not getting things done. But uh, it, I, I personally think it will loom less large than a lot of people right now think. I just... It just seems like our our political climate is yielding so many uh, storms so often that I mean I can't I can't you know you think of uh, you know six eight months ago what exactly was the big thing that everyone said was going to impact mm-hmm. everything for the next eight months that that hasn't so it's it's I I think there are going to be a lot of other issues and a lot of other things to argue about in the general election and impeachment will be one of them but I don't think it's going to be the biggest, the biggest feature, sort of political climate change, the yeah. more frequent and intense, more extreme. Storms. Yes, yeah. yes, I've I've seen it myself. I've witnessed it. I'm no scientist, but <laughs> I've, I've seen the winds blow and lightning yeah. thunder. And, and and with this president, it seems unlikely that what's on. I mean, like you said, what we're talking about today is going to be the same thing we're talking about in November or October of 2020, that there won't be uh, another Ukraine or another uh, collusion or who knows, you know, what what will happen next that we'll be talking about um, in at the end of this uh, presidential campaign. Speaking of the campaign, Last night, Thursday night, there was a debate. Just seven candidates on the stage and only one candidate of color, Andrew Yang, um, who some people uh, seem to question whether he's really a person of color. Um, But anyway, however, it it seemed like it was South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg who got the most attention. He was smacked around pretty good, uh, especially by Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren and, and Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar over his campaign financing billionaires in wine caves, I think is a line we're going to hear again and again. Uh, disrespecting his elders' experience, not being sufficiently pro-First Amendment. Um, Todd, 
did this debate change anything? Uh, it certainly felt different than previous debates. Well, it, it changed the way I think about how I store wine. <laughs> because, frankly, I've got a little rack, and it's not very impressive. And I want a cave. I so want a wine cave. So you're going to be digging up the backyard this yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's like, I think they found beer caves in Iowa City. So That's maybe they could have a debate down there at some point. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean. With the, with the shiny crystal, what, whatever that was. Yeah, the chandeliers in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, Pete Buttigieg took some shots last night, particularly from, from Elizabeth Warren, which I think that was interesting to watch him handle that, which I think in general he handled pretty well. Uh, I thought Joe Biden had, a, had probably his best debate. He, he seemed pretty comfortable and smooth and didn't, you know, stumble and. And but but you know it's worth noting that he wasn't really under attack last night like he has been in other in other debates. I thought uh, Senator Klobuchar did a did a good job of sort of. I mean, if it looking for reasons that might make a difference, I you know you I still keep waiting for maybe if there's going to be some moment where Amy Klobuchar you know catches on a little bit. But Biden has been steady enough that I think that's kind of hindered her upward mobility in the polls because she's kind of. And Buttigieg, too, because they're kind of going for the same slice mm -hmm. of the electorate toward, toward the center. So uh, I don't think, you know, I think we're still going to have this kind of knot of candidates at the top offering sort of, you know, the, the, the simple shorthand, the centrist versus the progressives. And I, I don't think the debate changed anything, but it, it, may have, it may have helped maybe Biden, you know, make people a little more comfortable with him again and maybe take a look at Klobuchar as a second choice if they're, you know, because people say they they haven't really made up their minds completely. And it cl was clear Elizabeth Warren was really trying to get back into the conversation and, and, and sort of makes recapture that momentum that she had over the summer. It was interesting in, in the time people spoke, which I guess is, is an interesting measurement. I don't know that it really tells us all that much, but Sanders spoke more yep. than anybody, which kind of surprised me because I didn't think he spoke – that much and Klobuchar, um, which is a real change that I mean that she got that much speaking time. And I think I, I thought she was pretty strong for the most part. Um, I was impressed by Andrew Yang. Uh, he didn't get as much speaking time as others, but I thought he did. He used his time well, and he kept coming back to his message about universal basic income, the freedom dividend, or whatever, and talking about you know those those things, bringing everything back to his agenda. Um, and, and, and Biden, I thought it was interesting that he didn't jump into every dogfight. I mean, he, he at times his body language was interesting. He just kind of stood there with his arms folded like, okay, go ahead, you know, beat each other up. I don't mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which probably was a good strategy for him. Uh, Aaron, the obvious difference in this debate was that there were fewer people on the stage and um, – and I don't know if it was because of that, but this, as we've talked about, was seemed to be more combative than the previous debates. Um, do you think voters are looking for that sort of confrontation, the candidates really going one-on-one -on -one with each other on topics like campaign finance and health care and, and others? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a fine line because when you talk to uh, voters and they talk about these debates, they want to see things that help them draw contrasts. Uh, between these candidates, and and sometimes those moments can produce those 
contrast and, and help show differences uh, between the candidates. And that's helpful to voters uh, who are trying to make up their minds. So, so, so that is helpful. But, but like I said, it's a fine line because you will also hear people say that they get turned off if, if it goes too far, as long as the candidates are able to walk that fine line. And I think for the most part, um, in the last night's debate, they did that. Um, there were some pretty um, strong back and forth between Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and then Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. But I don't feel, at least in my seat, and, and, and it'll be interesting to hear how voters feel about it, which is far more important. Um, but it, it didn't seem to me like that, that it got too overly uh, uh, contentious and that it wasn't um, maybe a little choreographed, but, but not overtly so. So um so 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 maybe those moments um helped some people i i think between the two the one that interests me most more to to hear from voters uh will be the one between klobuchar and um Buttigieg because of the topic i don't know that Buttigieg and warren arguing about fundraisers is going to move the needle with a lot of people i mean even if it's an issue that democrats care about they're probably already on one side of that or the, or the other um and and, and I, I can't imagine too many undecided iowa democrats right now deciding to make up their mind on how candidates handle their closed door fundraisers um but klobuchar uh bringing up electability and then her and Buttigieg going back and forth on that that is obviously a huge issue for Iowa Democrats. So it will be interesting to me to see if that debate um, resonated or, or uh, with any Iowa Democrats and whether they took anything away from that, whether um, whether that caused some concerns for people who are supporting Pete Buttigieg um, to this point. That, that'll be interesting to me. Okay. Amy, um, you covered Andrew Yang earlier this week, and uh, he, he seemed to have a pretty good night in the debate. Um, what was the reaction in real life <laughs> when he was in your area? <laughs> when he actually was there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Yang at his uh, town hall. Uh, he came to Jubilee United Methodist Church. It seemed like he had a fair amount of uh, true believers, uh, you know, wearing those signature math hats that make America think harder in the mix, uh, uh, along with, you know, the people who are going for the blackout card on their presidential candidate, bingo. So, I mean, you had <laughs> both sides, basically. Um, he's big into his freedom dividend, like you mentioned. Um, you know, it's, the voters I spoke to told me they initially thought of as, quote, crazy, and pretty much everybody did, uh, before they finally looked into it and, and then that thought about if they would want an extra $1,000 a month, and, and they came around. So, and I think Yang definitely sees that dividend as a sort of end-all, be-all to a lot of middle-class woes. Um, but, but it's not as clear that everyone buys into that end game. Um, but Yang has had a pretty surprising run, you know, given that he's a lower-tier candidate that keeps um, qualifying for these debates. Um, and so I would not at all be surprised to see him hang on or even rise, you know, in Iowa polls through next month and perhaps even play spoiler in the caucus in some precincts. And we love that. Um but at the same time, uh, an Iowa State civics poll found that less than 40% of Iowa Democrats even listed a single candidate who they were considering after their first and second choices. And uh, the number or the percentage of Democrats who uh, listed at least one candidate they don't want to be the nominee increased to about 70%. Uh, and the takeaway seems to be that Iowans haven't decided who they like among the top tier 
but they're basically eliminating the bottom tier from consideration. And so, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about that. It, it, do you get that impression when you're covering events and talking to people that they aren't sure who they're going to caucus for, but they're sure who they're not going to caucus for? Yeah, that, that absolutely matches up with uh, what I'm hearing. Those, those lists that we talked about, you know, when we talk to people at, you know, the Wing Ding and the State Fair and the uh, Steak Fry, those lists were five, six candidates long of, of, of who people were still thinking about. Um, kind of like what this ISU poll said, those lists are more like two or three now. Um, uh, now, still very undecided uh, amongst those top two or three for each. Um, uh, I literally had someone recently say that they feel like they're still in the speed dating phase, which is just remarkable for me to hear. I feel yeah. like that was February, but, but anyway, uh, but, but, but the point is that yes, um, the, the, this field is not, is no longer being viewed as a whole. The, the winnowing definitely has begun. Um, there's still a decent mixture of candidates in those top two or three lists i still do hear andrew yang's name come up uh once in a while for example um but the the, the democrats are definitely beginning to narrow their focus um they are definitely uh winnowing um and and the lists are definitely getting shorter mm-hmm the uh, Democratic National Committee came out this morning with uh, the ground rules for the next debate, the uh, eligibility rules um, for the January 14th debate at Drake University in Des Moines. Uh, candidates have to have at least 5% in four polls, national or single-state single, single state polls, or 7% in two single-state polls, uh, the early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and, and Nevada. Um and they have to raise at least 225 – they have to have at least 225,000 unique donors and 1,000 per state in at least 20 states. So um, the debate stage may be smaller in January. Um, you know, we started out with two dozen or more candidates, Todd. Uh, we get to Feb – you know, by the time we get to February 3rd, um, this may be a handful, you know, single – you know, count them on one hand, um, the winnowing will be done before we get to the caucuses and it'll just be sort of uh, win, place, and show to, to be decided? Yeah, we're the, the Delaney boomlet is, is <laughs> not going to happen, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, from my vantage point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Going out it, on a limb it there. It is. I mean, it is going to be... It will be interesting to see who qualifies. I mean, I think, you know, I think we know at least four or five that will, but that's, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're saying that uh, Booker yeah, – yeah, Bo go ahead, Aaron. I can jump. Oh, sorry, yeah, I was just going to jump. It, it looks like if that if that were as of right now, there are five candidates who have qualified for those criteria, uh, the top four plus uh, Klobuchar, um, um, and then Andrew Yang and Tom Steyer as of right now would be on the outside looking in. Cory Booker as well. And the other interesting part of this, I'll just toss in there real quick, is um, there's been a lack of uh, early state. There's been plenty of national polls, but but a, uh, it's really been a slow pace of, of of early state polling. And so that makes the party candidates who haven't met that threshold. The campaign talks a lot about and they're worried about because they feel like maybe they're having 
a little bump right now, um, but they they can't get that to show up in the polling because there isn't any um, in the early states right now. So, so that's an interesting element to all this, too. Well, when it gets interesting, whenever that is, we'll be talking about it on a future edition of On Iowa Politics. <laughs> I hope this has been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. We're going to take a holiday break. Whatever holiday you uh, want to you know, put in there, Christmas, Hanukkah, drinking day, boxing day, whatever. But we're going to take a holiday break and be back January 3rd. And you can find us on every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Item 9 and the Mad Hatters will take us out. If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Aaron, Brett, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 